We have a guest speaker today, Mr. Sean Terry, uh, has grown with us in the church probably the better part of his life as far as I know. Uh, and Sean has a wonderful gift from God to teach. There's a well within Sean that loves the Lord and has a deepness that wants to understand the finer points of who he is and how he operates on the earth today. So I'm really happy to have Sean with us today. Would you please welcome him with a round of applause as he comes? Thank you, sir. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Good morning, good morning. It's funny what you can remember, isn't it? Like, I don't remember being born. I can't recall the name or the breed of the first dog I ever had. And I can't even remember what I had for lunch last Sunday. But I can remember the very first time my dad took me to see Star Wars. (laughs) It was a very special day. I had spent all morning with my Aunt Sandy. She took us bowling, and then she said to us, now we need to get you home soon. Your dad has something very special planned for you. So my dad took us to the theater, and we sat down, and we watched Star Wars. And it was at that moment I knew, because I saw Obi-Wan Kenobi on that screen. And I knew then and there that I was destined to become a Jedi Knight. (laughs) I saw him with his awesome beard, and I saw him saving the princess and cutting bad guys' arms off, and I thought, well, that's so me. That's what I was made to do. And I can remember, being young, I had my toy lightsaber, or a stick I found, or various pieces of our furniture in the house that I had disassembled and put duct tape on. And I practiced my lightsaber skills all around the house, all hours of the day. I was training to become a Jedi Knight. And I can remember one evening, I was swinging my lightsaber around in the living room. And just on this occasion, my entire family was also in the living room with me. And I was swinging it really hard, trying to be impressive and cool, when suddenly the lightsaber broke off in my hand, and it went flying straight through the front living room window, shattering it. Now, most parents would probably be impressed by their child's supernatural strength. (laughs) Unfortunately, mine were upset, maybe rightfully so. Now, I can't remember how much it cost to repair the window. I can't remember how old I was. I can't remember what anyone was wearing. But I can remember the look on my mom's face and the sigh she made while she was sitting in the chair to my left. See, like Forrest Gump once said, you know, It's funny how you can remember some things, but some things you can't. (laughs) So let me ask you guys a, a question this morning. Is it possible in our lives that we have remembered some things, but we've forgotten some other things? 
Perhaps we've remembered some unimportant things, but we've forgotten some more important things. Now, what if something happened that you did not want to forget? What if something happened that you always wanted to make sure you remembered? Well, you would probably build a memorial. Something that every time you saw it, you would be able to remember exactly what had happened. And this is why we have Memorial Day. Because there is a need that we will never forget certain important things that have happened to us and to our people in this country. And because it is Memorial Day weekend, we are going to talk about how to honor your nation. Um, You might actually not know this, but we were sneaky in the month of May. The entire month of May has actually been about honor. The first week we talked about missions, Missions Sunday, where we would celebrate all that God is doing around the world and all the opportunities we have to partner with God in that. And we had a guest pastor all the way from Romania come here. And so many of you went out of your way to make sure to honor him after the service while he was in the lobby. The next week we did Mother's Day. And everyone knows Mother's Day is a day you honor your mother. And you rightfully should. Moms are amazing, right? Moms are so amazing. They love their kids so much. You know, like a mom, you could be a drug addict and your mom would love you anyway. They'd be like, oh, he's studying to be a pharmacist, you know? (laughs) And we know that we are called to honor our mother, right? And then the following week, last week, we did graduation Sunday where we specifically, intentionally, and strategically honored the next generation of youth and young leaders as they go from one grade to the next, as they go from their career, and they graduate into college and from high school. And we made sure to make sure, we made sure that we were honoring them, right? But today I want to talk about honoring your nation. Here's something I want you to think about today. And Dave Cummings just said it a few moments ago. The least we can do is remember, right? But this morning, I want you to think about something. You might be led to believe that honoring your nation means you just need to remember what happened to it. If we just remember, then perhaps that is the full extent of what God has required of us. So I've brought a message today that I hope is going to instruct and inspire you like never before on this very specific holiday, and hopefully for the rest of your life. I want to give you guys something that I believe can recontextualize the entire framework of how you live and how you walk and live as a Christian in the nation of America. Now, what I have to share with you today is not going to be easy to live by. I want you to know that right now. What I have to say today is going to be very hard to do. And so I'm going to try and make sure I don't keep saying you, you. I'm going to try and say we, because this is going to apply to me just as much. And I want to acknowledge that we have to do this all together. So I'm going to read through some scriptures that teach my lesson. And um, hopefully it's a shorter message because myself, like all of you, want to enjoy our Memorial Day weekend. And uh, we actually have all of my scriptures on the website. If you go to cccsterling.org on your mobile device right now and you go to the This Sunday page, you will see all of our scriptures and you can even take notes for yourself right there on the webpage. And I'm going to just do that until we're done. And if you finish before me, well, then you can go home. 
So let me start by asking you a really loaded question on Memorial Day. How many of you are proud to be an American? Well, maybe you are, and maybe you aren't. But either way, I want you to know something. You're not going to be an American forever. It says in Philippians 3, verse 20, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, you're just temporarily American. You're in the world, but you're not of the world. You're kind of on loan from heaven to the United States. You're kind of like an intern for America. But for all intents and purposes, right now you are American. Currently we are American. But the most important question you must be able to answer is this. What are we going to do with the time that is given to us? What are we going to do with the lives that we have right now? Now, maybe you're like me, and you want to live to be at least 120. But Jesus Christ only lived on earth for 33 years. And his ministry only lasted three. In his book, Onward, Engaging the Culture Without Losing the Gospel, Russell Moore said this, Our life planning ought to be about the next trillion years and beyond. If we assume that's what's waiting for us, beyond the grave is a postlude rather than a mission and an adventure, we will cling tenaciously to the status quo, or at least the parts of it we like. Our lives now are shaping us and preparing us for a future rule. Our lives now are an internship for the eschaton. Jesus Christ was only on earth for 33 years. But what did he do while he was here? In verse uh, 28 of Matthew 20, it said, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And then in John 13, it says this, So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. Now, you might be wondering around this time, what does this all have to do specifically with honoring our nation? Well, while we're on the topic of feet, Have you ever noticed that often when somebody goes to your house, they'll take their shoes off before they enter? Which is funny because I don't. I never take off my shoes in my house. But I do when I go over, you know, a a friend's house. Um, It's funny because you have to think about what does it mean to take your shoes off? Well, of course, it's to make sure that you don't get your friend's house dirty. You don't want to ruin their carpet. But, um, by the way, I wore uh, fun socks for you guys today. I didn't have to do that, but I did that for you. But think about now that I don't have my shoes on, think about how much of a disadvantage that suddenly puts me at. If I want to leave in a hurry, I'm not going to be able to do that. If I don't have protection on my feet, I have to walk a little bit gentlier so I don't hurt my precious toes. And on top of all that, 
the scriptures specifically say that there is something unique about not having your feet covered when you are in the presence of God. When God spoke to Moses through the burning bush, he commanded him to take his shoes off because he was standing on a holy ground. Having no shoes on puts you at a disadvantage. It humbles you somehow. But we do that because we're visitors to another home. But I would like to argue and propose to you all today that we're also visitors to the United States. We're only here for a short while. In some way, we are a guest to this nation. Now, like many of you, I've always been on my best behavior when I'm a guest somewhere. I suddenly change. I become a better version of myself. Even last night, I went to a church service uh, of a friend of mine. They have their services on Saturdays. And it's funny that when I walked in, I immediately became the perkiest, most well-behaved version of Sean Terry you'd ever seen. Because I did not want to look bad at another guy's church, especially if somebody from that church happened to come see me today. And I've always been on my best behavior when I'm a guest anywhere. This includes being in another country, Peru, Panama, I've been to Germany. And I think that you guys need to know that I believe we should start living to serve our country as if we were visitors and guests. Because my perspective changed a lot when I started going on missions. I have some pictures of me when I was in uh, the nation of Peru. Uh, look how happy I used to be. <laughs> I felt like a visitor when I was in Peru. The next picture I have. This man in the middle, he did not care where I came from. He didn't care what I had, what I owned, who I was. All he cared about was whether or not anyone could see him. And if we were the only Americans he ever got to meet in his life, my hope is that we left a very godly and good impression. Because the sacrificial love of Jesus should be international. Your ability to honor God should have nothing to do with whether or not you are at home or you are somewhere else. There should be a universal, international ability for us to demonstrate the love of Jesus Christ wherever we go. And we're called to serve in this nation that God has put us in because we were born here. But that should apply to any Christian believer anywhere on earth, whether they're Cambodian or Canadian, Mexican, Haitian, Peruvian, no matter where you come from, you are called to serve the people and the nation that you are in. And we know in the Bible that we are actually called as the people of God to bless all the nations of the world around us. God spoke to Abraham a promise, and his promise to Abraham was this, all the nations of the earth every single one of them will be blessed by your descendants. What if we believe that promise was real? What if we believe we actually were capable, not just required, but able to bless every nation on earth? And Jesus himself said to us to make disciples of all nations. So it's not just the United States we're called to honor. It's all the nations, every single one of them. But like I said earlier, for all intents and purposes, we are American and we live in America. 
So what is the church called to do right now? How should the church respond? Because we want God to bless our nation, right? It would be silly for us to constantly want God to bless somebody else when we're living here. We want to make sure God's blessing the United States as well. That's just smart. Second Chronicles 7 verse 14 says this, and this is a scripture so many of us have heard so many times before. It says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. I would like to propose to you guys today that we usually fail at the humble part. Because humility should look like something. Now, I have a number of scriptures here. Um, I have a lot of scriptures on the website. If you'd like to read all of those, we can do a whole Bible study together on what it looks like to honor your nation. But I'm just going to read two verses for you right now because they're specifically in application to this morning. 1 Timothy 2, verse 1 through 2. It says, I urge then, first of all, that prayers... Petitions, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. 1 Peter 2.17 says this, Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Now I can talk more. I mean, there's verses, let, your, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. Jesus said to Pilate, you would have no power over me if God didn't give it to you. Seek the prosperity of the city. For lack of guidance, a nation falls. In the Lord's hands, the king's heart is. There's a lot of verses and there's a lot of scriptures that are specifically about the nations and about the leaders of the nations and about how we are believe, as believers are meant to perceive the nations and the government and the leaders. But by the way, you know what? When I say the government, when I say the authorities, we aren't talking about some disembodied idea. We're talking about people. We're talking about people that have names, they have faces. You can talk to them, you can get to know them. The emperor or the king or the president, they're not just an idea, they are a person. And you simply cannot practice honor without being able to apply it to people. Because treatment of people is the only thing that matters. We categorize and we organize different people groups into nations and we define their boundaries, but really nations are people. And we've all been taught the fruits of the Spirit Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Did you ever notice, if it weren't for people, you wouldn't need the fruits of the Spirit. (laughs) If you were just by yourself, you didn't have to worry about anyone else, you would not need any of these. But people matter to God. Loving people matters to God. This is the sign of humility. How you actually treat the people around you. What good is loving your country if you do not love your countryman? 
Let me read that verse in 2 Chronicles one more time. 2 Chronicles 7, one, uh, verse 14. Now let me read it to you the way I read it. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Make no mistake, it is the people of God. It is the church that must be humbled. It's not the unbelieving, unrepentant, wicked, disastrous people outside. It is us. It is we. We usually fail at that humble part because when we have been freed from slavery to sin, we don't necessarily want to submit ourselves again to another person, to another president, to another king, to another leader, or even to our neighbor. I don't want to have to humble myself before them. But humility looks like something. And because tomorrow is Memorial Day, I'd like to just remind all of us that Memorial Day is about the price someone paid for us. But humility before God will always cost us something too. You might not ever have to give your life for somebody, but humility before God will cost you something. So I'm going to be wrapping up with one of my favorite people in the Bible, Daniel the prophet. One of the most honorable men in human history, I'm convinced. But here's, what's, uh, here's a fun fact about Daniel I, I realized when I was reading the book of Daniel. Daniel, we refer to him as a prophet, but Daniel's actually never referred to as a prophet in the book of Daniel. Because he's referred to the way that the Babylonians would refer to him. They called him a magician. They called him a psychic, but they never called him a prophet. I think we naturally call him a prophet, but that's not how he related to the people he found himself with. Because Daniel was an exile from Israel. The Babylonians had conquered the nation of Israel and took all of these young leaders and young people and put them into captivity inside the Babylonian Empire and forced them to serve under the, underneath their king. And Daniel had to undergo a lot of changes while he was there. He was forced to serve in their courts. They gave him a new name. He wasn't Daniel anymore. In fact, they named him after one of their false gods. And every January, we do a Daniel fast. And we remember a Daniel fast because Daniel refused to eat the food of the Babylonians. And he wanted to maintain his purity before God by eating what he felt was, was more appropriate food for him. So he let them call him a false god, but he wouldn't eat their food. I'd probably do the opposite. I'd say, don't call me that, but if you're going to feed me, that's great. So let me tell you very quickly a very familiar story about Daniel. Daniel, even when we're in Sunday school, we're taught how he was thrown into the lion's den. The king was tricked into making a law that made it illegal to pray and serve the one true God. And when Daniel was caught, the king, who didn't want to do it, was forced by the law 
to throw him into a pit of lions. And the king loved Daniel so much, which is very interesting because this is not a king that serves the one true God. Rather, this is a king who is just served by a man who serves the one true God. This king loved Daniel so much, it says the night after he threw him into the lion's den, he couldn't sleep all night because the stress and anxiety was so great. And it says this king, when he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue you from the lions? Now, let me remind you, we've heard this story before. But earlier I talked about, remember, there are some things we remember, and then there's some things we forget. There's some important things we remember, but sometimes we'll forget some unimportant things. So there's something about this passage I want you to see. Has your God been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, May the king live forever. May the king live forever, he says. First words out of his mouth. May the king live forever. The same king who just threw him into a den of lions. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me, because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. This is how you honor This is a level of sacrificial honor I have never seen before. To be so mistreated, to be suffering such injustice, but to honor the king anyway, because that's what God has called you to do, because you know that is what is right. So like I said earlier, we we remember some things and then we forget others. When I first saw Star Wars, and when I met Obi-Wan Kenobi, I thought, this is what it's all about. I thought being a Jedi was about being strong and brave and powerful and wise. But now I feel that the most important thing that Obi-Wan Kenobi did was he sacrificed himself for his friends. Now I think I understand what it really means to be a Jedi. And this is what we were made to do for our nation on behalf of our God. So as I close, I would like everyone to uh, stand with me. Honoring our nation is about more than just remembering what happened to it. If you want to honor your nation, take off your shoes. And if you want to go next level, Take off somebody else's shoes and wash their feet. You cannot honor your nation if you do not honor the next person in front of you. Because Jesus never taught us how to honor our nation. He taught us how to honor each other. Before I pray, I want to let you know, in a a moment, Sherry Newfang is going to come out, and she's going to sing the anthem, My Country, Tis of Thee. And I would like us to do something a little bit different. Normally, we would have her come out, and she would sing it as a solo. But today, I would ask all of you, would you be willing to sing it with her? 
And here's why, because anthems are meant to actually be sung by communities. And I think there's something so much more powerful when we sing a declaration over our nation together as a church. And what I love about this song, My Country, Tis of Thee, is the last verse says, Our Father's God to thee, author of liberty, to thee we sing. This song is a song unto the Lord for our nation. And so I want us to treat it together like a prayer. Like a sacred declaration over our land that God's continued favor and protection would be over the United States of America. So Father God, I thank you for this morning. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the United States of America. Father, I confess, I've had so many conflicting feelings about my nation, things I've heard of, things I've seen. But Father God, I ask that you forgive me because I know that you love the people in this land more than I can possibly imagine. And I pray that, Father God, this morning you would help to shape and enlighten our understanding. I pray in the name of Jesus that, Father God, we would have a transformational perspective on this land. I pray that we would look at other people and we would see them as you see them. I pray, Father God, that you would help us. Help us, Father God, to love our neighbor. Help us, Father God, to remember what is most important to you, to not forget that. I pray that, Father God, we would not pride ourselves by our success as a nation. We would pride ourselves as our love, for our love as a nation. And I pray, Father God, that you would bless every person in this room. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.